Yep. So it's Wednesday. I went to see Terminator last night. You did? Yeah, I made it. I was kind of on the fence if I was going to go or not, but I ended up going, and it was good. It was good. It was really good. Did you, I mean, did you like T2? I mean, Terminator 2? Yeah. Like yeah. Two. What was your favorite? I like 2. 2's, your, two's the best? I like yeah. 1, 2, but 2 is more. Yeah, 2's my favorite yeah. as well, and probably after that. I didn't like 3 or Genesis or anything after that. I liked, I liked the, there was 3 Genesis and Salvation. Yeah. I, I think it was, it was Salvation, then Genesis is what it was, yeah. yeah. I liked them all, but they're just not as good as two, you know, I mean, but this one was as good, or it was close to two, I would say, yeah, it's a, it's a worthy, and actually three Salvation and Genesis are kind of um, connected to the story, but they're not direct sequels to two, this is a direct sequel to two, yeah, so like, because it's got Sarah Connor in it, and so, yeah, I don't, I don't remember all the mythology, because the movies do go in some wild storylines, you know, to... I, he's alive in three. John Connor is. Yes. Yeah, and so, but in Salvation, like, oh, he's alive. Yeah, that's the one with Christian Bale in it. So I don't know. It's it's not bad though. I mean, none of these movies are bad to me. It's just uh, it's so hard to live up to two. Two was just a, I mean, pretty much a perfect movie. So. Like yeah, this was a good one. I'd go watch it again today. That's how good it was. So. Yeah, definitely, definitely a purchase for me when it comes out on, on digital. So, how's everybody else doing? Making it through the week okay? Yeah, kinda, sorta, maybe. Oh, I've never taken calculus. So, teach te- teach me about it a little bit. Like, is this is this one seventy one? And so, calculus is. What exactly is calculus? Like, I know algebra is finding the missing variable or trying to understand the missing variables, but calculus is trying to use, and then using a combination of formulas to find. Yeah, it's the math that brings everything back from uh, algebra and trigonometry, but the things that are the calculus parts thus far, what we've done is we started off in the first unit taking limits of uh, functions, and then the second, third unit, and now this fourth unit has mostly just been derivatives. Isn't calculus what they use like to figure out when they were using like formulas for gravity and 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 force and stuff, when they're doing like space stuff, right? Yeah, I, have to, I have to take this class before I can take physics. Right. Okay. I got you. Yeah, yeah. I love like the application, but getting there. I mean, I would love to like go deep into math as deep as I could go, but you got to really want it, you know. Like, uh, I think it would be fun, but. I'm not naturally inclined to math. I can do it if I really like force myself into it, but I'm just not naturally inclined to math where I'm drawn to it. Are you a math person? You love it? Uh, no, it takes work. But it's like the thing about calculus is, on one hand, the taking a derivative of a function is sometimes is what's the derivative of 2x squared? And the really easy way to remember that is you take the exponent, the 2, and multiply by the 2 in front of the x. Uh-huh. And then you subtract one from the exponent, so the derivative of two x squared is four x. Sometimes it's easy. Right. You have what's the derivative of arc sine parentheses four thirteen x to the fourth, and then you know, divided by the x. So you have to combine a whole different bunch of holes together. So you already lost me, man. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you already lost me. Yeah. No, 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 I didn't say cosine, I said arc cosine. That's an inverse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's different. 
Yeah. Now, why are you taking advanced math? Just curious. So why do you have to take physics? So is your is your career path in the the area of science? Okay, I got you. Now, what do you see yourself doing, career wise or job wise? Oh, awesome, man! Good for you, dude. That's awesome. Yeah, that's a good that's a good career path. I didn't know I wanted to teach until I was in my late twenties, and luckily I had already kind of gone into graduate level work, you know, which is what you have to have to go that path. Uh, and when I finally figured out that I wanted to work in higher ed, that's what kind of pushed me to keep going to do the doctorate path because I wanted to have the credentials to be able to teach and to kind of get my foot into higher education and keep it there, you know, hopefully. So, But good for you, man. That's excellent. So you want to teach, like, natural science and physics and things like this? Okay, that's excellent. Rock and roll. Lewis, how are you, sir? Good, good. Um, what else is going on in the world before we jump back into diversity? Somebody was arrested from my old high school. Really? What was yeah. the what was the making, charge? Um, for making threats about he apparently the person apparently had a, a hit list or a, oh. a hit or a kill list. That's not good. Yeah. yeah. And there were several students um, from the high school that got threatened days before yesterday. Wow. Yesterday. That's yeah. You can't do that kind of stuff. That's not good. Yeah. It's always. This is the second time Roswell has been in the news. Yeah. yeah. It, it, I remember the first time was about those two um high school students when they Yeah, but it, right. and it, so it happens in every almost every school in Wayne County, but Rosewood's the only one that's getting in the news. Yeah. Have um how old are you again, Kevin? Oh twenty seven. How old are you, Lewis? Have you had anybody die from your graduating oh. class yet? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um on our senior, on our 2007, uh, we have two of our friends that actually died. Really? Yeah. So one got shot and one got all over the so, yeah. Well, the reason I bring it up is because um, it's always weird when you when you should mention graduating class. Like when you start seeing people from your graduating class, either in their successes or failures and stuff. You know, like I have a guy that I grew up with, super nice guy. Everybody loved this guy, but he was on the front page of the paper, like probably five to ten years ago now for drugs you know that's just sad you know when you see that kind of stuff happening you know so he was it was meth manufacturing and yeah that kind of stuff you know so that's just really not good you know and so but a lot of people fall into that that trap and so yeah like one big message from this class too we don't talk about a lot but don't do drugs i know we've we've shown some videos in here about like pharmaceutical companies and the dangers of opioids and stuff but that's that really is uh, it's a bad it's a bad I mean people it grabs a hold of some people and just it not only affects the individual it affects the whole family it really does like I'm just it's just not a good situation so what else is going on in the world? You heard about the people that got on in Mexico? No. A little bit. Tell me a little bit more about I mean, it. I don't know. We just um, Facebook yesterday. Right. And say that. Um, was it cartel related? But they say that uh, their family, or their grandfather, was involved in the cartel back in the days. Okay. So they say that there was something that he did back in the days. It's old grudge. Yeah. yeah, man. They don't forget. They know it's crazy, man. Right. Uh, I'm not fully educated on the topic, but from what I understand is that towns like Juarez are completely controlled by the cartel. Even though they have a law enforcement structure, they've killed like dozens of sheriffs. I've heard yeah. this that have come into power or come into uh, 
uh, office, and they just take them out and say, if you're not going to play ball, you're done. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's you know. Well, on that topic, though, and I know I just said don't do drugs, uh, and I'm not a I'm not condoning drug use, but if we did legalize drugs in the United States, do you think it would put the cartels out of business? Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I mean, money giving government, uh, giving them government giving money, getting money from them. You know what I right, mean? Right, right. Everybody gets a cut. Right, <laughs> right. Because right. I don't believe all the drugs they bring up for you, like I told you yesterday, like I told you before. You know, number one consumer in the world is America. Yeah, absolutely. States, yeah, yeah, yeah. Know? Even legal drugs, um, Even legal 75%, drugs, you know, right. And, and, uh, and it's crazy because I don't think all the money and all the drugs they've been bringing over, um, over the border that we're burning for. I'm talking about millions. Right. Millions. Oh, it's billions. It's billions, yeah, billions, yeah. yeah. Well, I think, man, everybody get a cut. You know what I mean? Well, you're, like, a couple years ago, with the, I think we were like two, three American soldiers. They were bringing yeah. the, uh, immigrants. Mm-hmm. Into the United States, and they would get a penalty about four or five thousand dollars for each person. Yeah. So, well, there was every war that we fought overseas and stuff that we've we've had um, an issue with people smuggling drugs back from the military doing it. Like yeah. like there was in Vietnam soldiers smuggling drugs in the tires of vehicles, and the in the Gulf Wars and in Afghanistan drugs were being smuggled in. So uh, and that's not a slide against the military at all. It's just you know stating facts that. We have a drug problem in the United States, and that being said, uh, you, when you said everybody gets a cut, it's interesting. You can go into any prison in the United States, and drugs are in there. Yeah. Drugs, like where do they come from? Like, do you, do you guys know where the drugs in prison come from? The guards bring them in. Yeah, yeah, the guards bring them in. Back in 07, I grew up with my, one of my boys. Um, he got caught. He got busted. Uh, right in worse, he got caught. We were with a key in the hand, with a kid on the head. He did 10, 9 years. Man, these dudes was calling us from inside the prison with a cell phone. Uh-huh. So he was already yo, how did that man? He was out here making something. It's like pretty much you pay, you get your cut. Yeah. Now you see whatever you need is out here. Like any other yo, who do that? He was like, right. Man, please, officer. Someone, this lady, a prison guard, that was Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, one of the classes I took in undergrad was advanced corrections. And it was on, like, one of the topics we talked about was how prisons have their own economy. And it's uh, basically five to ten times street prices that you're paying for illicit items, whether it be drugs or a cell phone or whatever else that you might get in there. So entrance and stuff, guys. Well, I'm going to segue into diversity, our topic of choice. And there's actually a lot in this chapter. We're going to kind of talk about what we talked about on Monday a little bit in brief to recap and then get into the new content. But... There is might even bleed over into Friday because of uh, you know just the enormous amount of content in this chapter and so many topics to talk about. And so we talked about on Monday what you know diversity is, diverse uh, how diverse is the workforce, uh, diversity impacts how it impacts companies in the workforce, what is workplace discrimination, how does it affect different social identity groups, what key theories help managers understand the benefits and challenges of managing the diverse workforce, how can managers reap benefits from diverse diversity and mitigate its challenges? Mitigate means manage. And what can organizations do to ensure applicants, employees, and customers from all backgrounds are valued? And so we said diversity was this idea of uh, identity-based differences among and between two or more people that affect their lives as applicants, employees, and customers. These identity-based differences include such things as race, 
and ethnicity, gender, sexual orientation, and age. These are these identity groups. Um, managing diversity is, is, is a topic or a theme within this chapter. And inclusion means the degree to which we want to make everyone from all these various identity groups feel like they're not left out, right? You guys remember playing dodgeball in kindergarten? Yeah. Remember that game? Yeah. yeah. So the way they've, the way I was traditionally like the format it was traditionally shown to me was you pick two team captains and they take turns picking players, right? And then you always get down to like two kids that are the last two to be picked, right? And one kid's looking at the other kid thinking, am I going to be last? And then, like, sure enough, one of those kids get picked, and there's always a last kid, right? Nobody wanted to pick this little kid for whatever reason. I mean, think about what the, that does to the morale, you know what I'm saying? Like, the teachers should pick, you know, like the teams. It really should just make it, blend it up, mix it up, and never have the same two teams. Just always kind of mix it around and, and because that right there – from kindergarten is teaching that kid who's picked last every time that you're not included. You're not. We're not. In, we're not including you to the same degree as everybody else that was picked before you. And it really does hurt the morale, self-esteem. Kids come home, and I have two children in school right now. They come home and tell me things like, my daughter uh, Ava, she came home one day in the past two weeks and says, "Well, I didn't get to sit with my friends at lunch today because they wanted to sit with their boyfriends." And these kids are like 10, 11 years old, right? You know, but. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, it's just, it's not like that. You know, it's its just like, you know, little kid loves, you know. It's kind of like uh, that movie, what is it, uh, My Girl. Yeah, yeah, that kind of sweet, that kind of sweet little innocent love, you know. But anyway, but, you know, it hurt her feelings that she couldn't sit with her friends at lunch. She was really upset about it. That was the one thing that day. Of course she got over it, but the point being is that, as adults, we do have those similar feelings, right? I mean, if somebody says something to you, you think, you know, does this person, is, are they mad at me? Or, you know, do they do they not like me? What's going on? So it's amazing how kind of childlike adults are, really, in their thoughts and feelings. It's a true story. So we talked about, in brief, the surface level, uh, deep and hidden diversity. Surface is the things we see. You know, gender, male, female. We see the color of people's skin, and we um, uh, can get some maybe visible disabilities or other visible visible descriptors. But that doesn't tell the whole story, and we shouldn't base uh, judge a book by its cover, right? You know, we don't know uh, what this individual is capable of. True story for me, when I was in high school, I went to a state competition for public speaking. I was involved with a couple different groups. But one of them I was representing at the time was Health Occupation Students of America, HOSA. And we went to the state competition. And uh, the event that I was a part of was called Extemporaneous Public Speaking. It's where you went in, they gave you a topic, they gave you five minutes to prepare, and then you went in and you talked to a group of individuals. Man, I was dressed sharp. I had a black suit on, blue shirt, gold tie, looking sharp, right? I, had, I mean, I was really good at speaking, too. I'd taken some, um, some speech and done some speeches before so i'm going in and before i got to my turn there was this little girl beside me tiny very small very quiet very meek and you know i'm talking to her she's hardly talking at all she's not saying much and i'm just trying to be personable you know talk to her well when the whole thing was over and they start calling out winners they called out you know second place uh not me first place hey i got first place i go up on stage get a medal Guess who the winner was? 
that little, small, meek, quiet little girl. I have no idea what her speech was. I have no idea what she said. But if you had, if I had judged her based on my interaction with her, I would have thought this person, you know, there's no way she's going to win a public speaking competition because she's so quiet and little and, you know, but turns out she had a, a big voice and she must have said something that went in there because she won. So. But it, we get to this deep level diversity. The next thing, diversity and characteristics that are non-observable, such as attitude, values and beliefs, such as religion. And then hidden diversity is the last level. Diversity and characteristics that are deep level but may be concealed or revealed at discretion by individuals who possess them, such as sexual orientation, these things that are very personal, that even though you might know somebody for years, you may not know, you know, this very uh, personal angle about them, you know. So, like, just another element of somebody's personality, you know. Um, like, you may or may not know this. I do some uh, creative writing. I write poetry. I write some narratives. So there you go. It's another dimension of my personality. But you, I do. Um, I, I would guess you would call it. Uh, I don't want to put it. It's it's not traditional where you have. It's, it's not. It's not, not necessarily rhymy, right? Yeah, yeah. So free form is what you call it. Yeah. I want to go yeah. to one of those um, one of those jazz clubs where they have yeah. like the um, I love live that. poetry. Yeah. Uh, spoken word. Yeah, that's good stuff. Yeah. Poetry slams, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like when they yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've, I've done a little bit of that. Yeah, that's good stuff. Yeah, we have. Um, I want to believe we have competitions on campus, or not competitions, but opportunities to do that kind of stuff on campus, where you can go and, and read and participate in those things. So that's good stuff. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but we talked about the labor force and basically how uh, the white non-Hispanic group has been in decline. And the other groups are either flat or in slight incline in their uh, in their uh, participation rates in the workforce. We also talked about the gender growth in women and the decline in men. Um, uh, basically, over the past uh, 40 years or so, we've seen about an 8% slide in men and about a 6% rise in women. And those numbers are basically because of just the number of people participating has changed and the age group has changed and caused some shifts in those demographics. Uh, it's not going to be like, like for example, you see the 8% rise or decline in, I'm sorry, the 8% difference uh, on that left chart um, when you when you drop 6% men but rise uh, the 6% women, you know, it's just because of the age differences and things like that and the group of people that's participating. All right, so we also talked about um, sexual harassment as being a hot topic in HR, and this is something that's, that's just, it's been kind of a boiling point for many years, and it's just gotten even more intense recently uh, because of things like Me Too has brought more cultural awareness to sexual harassment. And uh, I said it on Monday, and I'm saying it in days, guys do have to do better. And I know we don't like to call out a specific group, but um, most sexual harassment in the workplace is from a, a male harassing a female, although it's not in those binary terms. It could be uh, anybody harassing anybody in a sexual or non-sexual way, so don't get caught up in uh, it's always a male harassing a female. It could be a female harassing a female or male harassing a male or any combination of whatever gender identity a person has. And so uh, even though like 
the book is talking about traditionally it being, you know, the majority male and female, not necessarily always the case. And as a manager, you can't always assume that is what's going on. We did talk about quid pro quo. What did I say that was? Do something for something, or this for that is the Latin. Hostile work environments. Quid pro quo is where it's generally an exchange. If you do this for me, sexual favor, I will do this for you. Um, a hostile work environment doesn't necessarily cross the line into the sexual realm, but it's some type of uh, action that the employee feels uncomfortable being there, and that's not good. You know, and it could be making offensive statements like. Imagine you're in an office where this white guy's making racial jokes, you know, that's not cool, right? And like, I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to be a white guy. I mean, it could be anybody making those types of offensive jokes. Or if somebody's making a joke against a religion, you know, and there's one person in the office that may be that particular religion, or even if not, like, I mean, I don't know people from all religions, but I don't still want people to make fun of it, you know, that's, that's not appropriate stuff, you know. I do, uh, like, I don't know, I just I just don't have, like, tolerance for that kind of stuff because uh, it ends up making you look bad. It's unprofessional and just really should be avoided, you know. So, um, yeah, so um, according to the EEOC or Equal Opportunity Employment Commission, sexual harassment is defined as unwelcome sexual advances. Uh, at the bottom, this is kind of saying what I said already, although both men and women can be sexually harassed, women are sexually harassed uh, at work more often. Um, and then it talks about blacks and other minority women are especially likely to be subjected to sexual discrimination and harassment. Real, um, did you, you guys, I know you may have took, taken a uh, safe colleges training. Did anybody take the course on sexual harassment or Title uh, Competent College Save Act? Anybody taken that one? It may be available to you. I think it is. Anyway, it just it talks about the statistics, and they are alarming. Uh, when it comes to uh, sexual harassment on campus. Not this campus, but college campuses in general. Um, another important demographic shift in the workplace diversity is the distribution of race. Um, while non, I'm gonna skip down the second one. While the white non-Hispanic share of the workforce continues to shrink, the share of racial and ethnic minority groups will continue to grow. Specifically, Hispanic and Asians will grow at a faster rate than other racial minorities. And Hispanics are projected to make up almost one-fifth of the labor force, force by 2024. The projected changes in labor force will, uh, composite between 2014 and 2024 are as follows. White non-Hispanic participation in the labor force will decline by 3%. Other groups' share of the labor force is expected to increase. Um, black at 10.1%, Hispanic by, at 28%, Asian at 23.2%, and other groups are multiracial, American Indian, uh, Alaska Native, Hawaiian Native, or Native Hawaiian, and other Pacific Islanders, labor force share is expected to increase by 22.2%. Um, this type of data, they usually are able to extrapolate from doing the census, which is coming up again soon. Uh, and using that data, you can extrapolate based on the number and age of people in the household, those workforce shifts. And so it kind of gives us a snapshot of what our workforce is going to look like in the future. And so we can better uh, plan and prepare for that type of stuff. So, all right. So age distribution of an organization's workforce is also an important dimension <coughs> of workforce, workplace diversity. As the working population gets older, uh, some primary factors contributing to older population include the aging of the large baby boomer generation. This is the people born between uh, 
46 and 64. My parents were both born in the 50s, so they are a part of this group. Um, lower birth rates and longer life expectancies due to advances in mental technologies and access to health care. As a result, many individuals work past the traditional age of retirement, 65 years old, and, and work more years than previous generations in order to maintain their cost of living. And so um, basically what this is saying is that in the past, people traditionally retired in their early to mid-60s. Now, a normal is like 68 to 72 is becoming more and more normal. And I think if you're not doing heavy uh, physical labor, if you're doing a, a more cerebral job or a uh, white-collar work, I don't see a problem with working if you like the work and you can work. I don't say uh, I'm not planning to retire at this point. I mean, I'm going to work until I feel like I'm done, but uh, I'm planning to work until my 70s. You know, One of my mentors, she is 75 or 76, and she just kind of stepped down from her job at University of Mount Olive. Uh, and so working in this field that I'm in, uh, you can work for quite a while, so I'm hoping to just go until, you know. And I mean, and I don't know, I may change my tune on this as I get older, but I don't think retirement's all it's cracked up to be, really. I mean, like... I mean, who wants to sit at home all day long? You know what I'm saying? I mean, like, even if you retire, I think you should work part-time just to have something you're doing, even if it's volunteering, you know. Uh, my dad's retired, and he still works a little bit. He's got a friend that owns a funeral home, and he goes off with him uh, by the, and, and uh, helps, does, like, ushering and things. By the way, quick divergence, my dad, I don't know if I told you guys this, We were, I went to see him a couple weeks ago, and he said, Ryan, when I die, I want you to go in the safe and get this documentation and call these call this call these people. I'm like, what are you talking about? He donated his body to science. He's done it. He's done the official paperwork. And so, when when he dies, I call this number. They come pick his body up, like very quickly. They'll, they'll get a local person to come grab his body. Then they ship it to a a body center, and then they source it to a either a medical lab or a university that does cadaver work. And they they chop him up and, and work on him. Yeah. And then after they're done, they cremate his body and send me the ashes. And so I'm thinking about, you know, getting some oak trees or something and burying the ashes under the tree. You know, I think that'll be a good tribute. But he's been in the funeral industry working part-time for a while now, and he's seen just how expensive funerals are. Like my grandmother, when she passed, it was ten grand, And he doesn't want to do that. He doesn't want to go that route. So he wants to be cremated. He's already signed up for it, and it's free. There's no cost. There's zero cost to the individuals, like the family. And so, I mean, but then he said, oh, and your mom's going to do it too. And I'm like, what? They're going to chop up mama? You know, what's up with that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it, it hit me wrong. I was like, oh, my God, I have to, like, I have to really, like, soak this in, you know I mean? But I'll say that, you know, this is things that, even though it's not fun to talk about, it's, it's stuff that I think families should understand and talk about because most people don't think about it until it's too late so you need to do estate planning you need to do have these types of conversations because i definitely know what my dad is, is going to do now so all right so let's talk about some other forms of diversity in the workplace sexual orientation uh this has been brought up a little bit but we haven't talked about it diversity uh sexual orientation diversity is increasing in the workforce however only 21 states in D.C. prohibit discrimination based on sexual orientation. Without federal protection, individuals who do not live in these states could be overlooked for employment or fired for their sexual orientation unless their employer has policies to protect them. Many employers are beginning to understand that being perceived 
as inclusive will make them more attractive to a larger pool of job applicants. Not only that, but society values inclusiveness, right? There's this term called marginalization. I don't like to have any individual or group feel marginalized. It's not fun. You know, I've felt marginalized, you know, like I've been that kid on the kickball team that got picked last, you know, or next to last, you know. And so I know that it's not fun to feel discriminated against, even if it's not a a racial or gender thing. Discrimination in general is not fun, and everybody has felt it at some point in their life, you know. And so um, I just don't think it's good to marginalize anybody. And so anything we can do to make people feel welcome is a good thing. Immigrant workers are another group. Uh, Every year a new record is set for uh, the time it takes to reach the U.S. uh, cap of H-1B visas granted by to employers. H-1B visas are the type of work visas, a temporary documented status that authorizes individuals to permanently or temporarily live and work in the United States. As a result of the demand for work visas by employers, the number of immigrant workers in the U.S. workforce has steadily grown within the last decade from 15 uh, percent 2005 to 17 percent in 2016 um, and then also workers with disabilities this is another group uh, within the diversity aspect are protect these are this group is protected um, I'm sorry projected I'm sorry to experience a 10 percent increase in job growth through the year 2022 this means that more public and co- uh, corporate policies will be revised to allow greater access to training for workers with disabilities and employers let's see uh, there was something else in there in a minute, but um, yeah, I'll say that uh, all these groups that we've talked about and more, um, they bring value to an organization. And this next slide kind of talks about the competitive advantage. So businesses do things that's in their monetary interest, right? Not always, like sometimes they do things because it's the right thing to do, but most of the time the money is where is their, is their focus. If I do this decision, how does it affect my money? Is it, you know, does it hurt my money or does it help my money? And that's kind of the way businesses evaluate things. And so being a diverse organization is a competitive advantage. Um, it really does lend to this idea that we have perspectives from all different types of individuals and groups. Um, think of it as a lens. So. You look. You view the world through your own lens. This is a terrible eye, like sorry, but you view the world through your own individual lens. This is how you perceive the world through your biases, your filters, everything that you've experiences, uh, experienced since you've grown to this point. But every time that you add diversity into there, another individual, it's adding another lens. And so before you know it, you start to view the world as an organization very differently. And you have all, what's that? So I do that all the time. Yeah, well, I, you can do it as an individual too. Like when I was a manager at Walmart, I would ask myself, what would my manager do in this situation? You're thinking through another lens, right? You're trying to uh, have some metacognition about it, thinking about how other perspectives and how you should be thinking about it. So competitive advantage of uh, diversity, uh, cost, re- resource acquisition, system flexibility, marketing, problem solving, creativity, all of these different factors weigh in on why it's valuable to have a culturally diverse workplace. Um, and yeah, it just, people have uh, knowledge through their culture and diversity. They're mean, meaning that 
their experiences they have, they've been brought up with, and that they bring that value and experience to uh, the organization. Imagine if everybody you hired was like 25 years old, right? So 25 years old, that's fine. You got that 25 years experience, but somebody with who's 50 has twice as much experience. And so you're if you hire the person that's 50 and bring them into the fold, you're automatically getting twice the amount of life experience, twice the amount of perspective. Um, it may not may or may not be the right to fit, but just throwing that out there that they, the individual brings that value with them. And so let's talk about some challenges of diversity. We've talked about all these benefits, uh, and we talked about groups that that have diversity issues or uh, discrimination. But let's talk about some challenges. And so lower organizational attachments, one of them. Although diversity programs attract and retain women and minorities, they may have the opposite effect on other non-minority employees. When diversity is not managed effectively, white and male employees can feel alienated from tar- uh, from or targeted by the organization as diversity programs are put in place. This is absolutely true because I've experienced it first person. And this is not me, like, I'm not upset. I'm just a state of fact that when I graduated from the management training program at Walmart, it was a 16-week management training program. We all, there was eight of us, and we were a diverse group of people. There were myself and another white guy, three black gentlemen, white woman, two white women, and a black woman. So it was a pretty diverse, racially and gender diverse group of people. Well, when uh, we graduated, we went to the manager's office. The manager, who was a white female, she said to all of us in the room, she pointed at me. She said that I would be the last to get promoted in this company from day one. She said this on day one. I'm not making this up. She pointed right at me and said I would be the last to get promoted. And I'm like, why is that? Because I was young, I was white, and I was male. And the way I look at it, it should be based on your efforts, right? Merits. If you do a good job, your race shouldn't matter, right? But, you know, that's not the reason I left Walmart. I stayed five years after that. And the reason I left was because of morale. Just wasn't a good, happy place to work. But, uh, yeah, that, that does happen in organizations where they are, for a long time, been white male dominant. They're trying to reverse the trend and bring in more diversity. And uh, to what happens, though, during these cycles, though, is that if you are a non-minority, you can you know, miss opportunities to get promoted just because they're trying to appear more you know, diverse. And so uh, legal challenges and diversity is another issue. The legal system is used to combat discrimination. Among the ways that we will cover here are reverse, I'm sorry, among the ways we will, we will cover, uh, cover here are reverse discrimination, workplace discrimination, harassment, age discrimination, disability discrimination, national origin discrimination, pregnancy discrimination, race, color discrimination, religious discrimination, sex-based discrimination, and other forms of discrimination. So these are all the different things we're going to talk about here in a moment that have legal ramifications. So let's talk about reverse discrimination. Reverse discrimination, as research shows, workplace discrimination against women and racial or ethnic minorities is common. Reverse discrimination is a term that's been used to describe a situation in which dominant group members perceive that they are experiencing discrimination based on their race or sex. And so, as I kind of mentioned with this uh, attachment, like if the organization has been, if they've got a board of directors that has 12 white men, 
no no female representation, no representation from other uh, racial groups. Yeah, that could be an optics problem, and they see that as a weakness that they have. And so if you are a white male trying to get on a board of directors or in a level of power and position, that could be a challenge for you. Um, I don't really like the term reverse discrimination. I think you can just say discrimination in general, whether it be towards a minority or a non-minority or whatever gender you are. I think just the term discrimination fits very well. Um, Other challenges, workplace discrimination occurs when an employee or applicant is treated unfairly at work or in the job hiring process due to an identity group, condition, or personal characteristics such as ones mentioned above. Discrimination can occur through uh, marital status, for example, when a person experiences work discrimination because of the characteristics of a person to whom they are married. And so like in HR, you have several sets of questions or area topics that are taboo. Like you can't ask about their marital status. You can't ask about their family life. Um, you can't ask about religion. You can't ask uh, even where they live. You don't want to. You don't want to get into the the weeds of their personal life because they could perceive as you're trying to uh, find a angle to discriminate or to marginalize them in some way. And so, like, yeah, you just want to ask pre-selected questions that are. You you want to go into an HR interview for somebody or a I guess a hiring interview uh, to talk to somebody in a pre-selected format so you don't get off topic and you don't ask questions that are out of bounds because it is a legal issue. You can violate the law by having a conversation with somebody in an informal interview. And so they can volunteer any information they want. They can say, oh, you know, me and my husband or me and my wife or me and my significant other or, you know, my dog, my kids, they can tell you all the information they want to tell you, but you just can't ask. And so, and if they volunteer information, it's best to just take it on the surface and not probe beyond that. Don't, if they open the door, don't walk through it. Just, just take it and move on to the next question. Uh, we've already talked about the EEOC a little bit, the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. It was created by Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of 1964 with the primary goal of making it illegal to discriminate against someone in the workplace due to their race, national origin, sex, disability, religion, or pregnancy status. Harassment is any unwelcome conduct that is based on characteristics such as age, race, national origin, disability, sex, or pregnancy status. Harassment is a form of workplace discrimination that violates Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of 1964, Age Discrimination in Employment Act of 1967, and the American with Disabilities Act of 1990, which is called the ADA. Um, sexual harassment, we've mentioned this briefly, specifically referred to harassment based on a person's gender or sex, uh, and it can be, but does not have to, include unwanted sexual advances, requests, requests for sexual favors, or physical and verbal acts of sexual nature. Though members of any sex can be victims of sexual harassment, women are the primary target of this type of harassment. Age discrimination does occur. It consists of treating an employee or applicant less favorably due to their age. The Age Discrimination and Employment Act, the ADEA, forbids discrimination against individuals who are age 40 and above. I just turned 40. (laughs) A, A person with a disability is a person who has a physical or mental impairment that limits one or more of the person's life actions. Disability discrimination occurs when an employee or applicant who is covered by the ADA is treated unfavorably 
due to their physical or mental disabilities. Yeah, there's this thing called an accommodation, a reasonable accommodation. And so, like, if you've got or somebody has a disability and they can do the job, they just might need a minor accommodation that's not unreasonable. And reasonable is kind of a flexible term or a subjective term as to what is reasonable and what is not. Like, you know, if 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 they need a $10,000 modification to a small business in order to work there, that seems unreasonable, right? So it's very subjective. I mean, you know, and so it really uh, each case is, is unique. And so we, we have to address those. Uh, but when it, if you're faced with that as a manager, make sure that you're communicating very well with your HR uh, because you don't want to put yourself in a legal situation or legal entanglement. Um, other, these last few diversity issues or challenges, national origin involves treating someone unfavorable because of their country of origin, accent, ethnicity, and appearance. Um, pregnancy discrimination involves treating an employee or applicant unfairly because of pregnancy status, childbirth, or medical conditions related to pregnancy or childbirth. The PDA, or Pregnancy Discrimination Act, prohibits any discrimination as it relates to pregnancy in any of the following areas. Hiring, firing, compensation, training, job assignment, insurance, or other employment conditions. I'll say this is kind of a hot-button hot topic, and I've witnessed pregnancy discrimination not firsthand. Well, I've seen it firsthand, but not in my family. But um, I've seen, like, I've been on hiring committees where the, the candidate was pregnant, and people in the room talked about that as an issue. And I'm thinking, hey, you guys, this is not something that's appropriate to even evaluate the candidate on, you know. Um, not here, by the way. But, yeah, you know, so, like, I've also seen the other side of this where an employee um, who was pregnant, she uh, delivered the baby. She went on medical leave for the 12 weeks, which is the next point. And after the medical leave was up, this was a salaried person, so she was getting compensation while she was out. Um, and so in any case, she did the three months, got her compensation, and then quit. And so she basically milked the company for three months of paid leave, and then she didn't come back. So, um, And so the FMLA, Family Medical Leave Act, new parents, including adoptive and foster parents, may be eligible for 12 weeks of unpaid leave or paid leave only if earned by the employee to care for the new child. Also, nursing mothers have a right to express milk on workplace premises. Yeah, this came out several years ago as a hot button issue about breastfeeding in public. Yeah, if you are a manager or an employer, uh, yeah, and people are breastfeeding in public, I mean, they have a legal right to do that. And so, like, don't be that person that tells a tells a mother, you know, hey, you can't do that here, or just don't don't be that person. You know, I don't like. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, this is, right, I mean, people are, I mean, people have become, like, they were super sensitive then, people have become more sensitive now, and it's so, like, we're human beings, people, and, like, uh, this is a, this is a natural human condition, and so, like, uh, just leave breastfeeding mothers alone, that's, 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 uh, that's the quote of the day, yeah, <laughs> let them do their thing, you know, uh, and so it's, I, I feel like, and I'm not speaking as a woman here, but just my perspective is that it's probably not super comfortable for a woman to breastfeed in public anyway. You know, they would probably prefer to be uh, at their own place or 
doing it in private. So if a woman has got to do that in public, just let her be. Let her do her thing, you know, and give her her you're, space. I mean, you're against that? Okay. No, no, not at all. Yeah, I'm saying like, I'm saying like, I don't believe the woman, I think the woman would rather do it at her house or something, but if she's out in public, she's got to do something. Yeah, just I mean, let, let, let her do her thing, you know I mean? Yeah, I mean, people have done it and they still do it. Yeah, it happened this year. It was in the news where somebody made some type of comment to a woman who was breastfeeding. And I think she was in a restaurant, but yeah, she was in a restaurant, but you've got a towel or a blanket over you. And so, yeah, I mean, what's a, it's a feed, it's an eating establishment, right? I mean, so, I mean, I get it. So, I mean. Um, last few things before we uh, stop for today, but other uh, challenges, race, color, discrimination involves treating employees or applicants unfairly because of their race or because of physical characteristics typically associated with race such as skin color, uh, hair color, hair texture, or certain facial features. <coughs> religious discrimination occurs when employees or applicants are treated unfairly because of their religious beliefs. The laws protect those who belong to traditional organized religions and those who do not belong to organized religions but hold strong religious, ethical, or moral beliefs of some kind. And then sex-based discrimination occurs when employees or applicants are treated unfairly because of their sex. This form of discrimination includes unfair treatment due to gender, transgender status, and sexual orientation. Now, with sex-based discrimination, uh-huh. by, I'm not going to say... I'm not gonna say anything like to offend anybody, but like I just feel like I just feel like that whole topic is just like it's out the window. Just because like what happened to just male female? Where did all this where that's my question. Where did all this other stuff come from? Because if you look back in ancient time and all that, like it wasn't it wasn't none of that. So it's just like science is really like doing this because I, I don't believe that somebody just somebody just woke up pregnant and they just pop out a boy born with female. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I don't know. <laughs> no, I don't the know. the answer that well and the then, like now because I have a friend and um she she likes girls and like now like they I guess they have it to where like the female. They can actually take the females, you know, stuff, and they can make it right into a baby. Like, how? Yeah. <laughs> well, how? you actually answered your own question, which is I don't know. And so, like, even though I've I know quite a bit, I'm still learning, just like everybody else, when it comes to gender identity and. But. Right, right, yeah. And there's a transgender, uh, I guess, woman, is what you call it. Is a man. Biologically a male, but yeah. participating as a female, right? Participating as a female, right. and she's like destroying like women. Woman. Huh? She's destroying all the women? Yeah, like. Oh, that's not. It's honestly like, that's yeah. what I'm kind of like. Well, she, like, she or he, like, that. He identifies as a female. Right. He's not a female. Well, he participates in a female area. Sure. Yeah. I'll say this. Like, this exact issue, just like so many issues, uh, they're not well-defined. And there's a lot of gray area that the conversation, I mean, it's more than, obviously, we can solve 
and, and we just we just can't even solve it in this class. But um, but this is a ongoing, evolving conversation, and this is new stuff for a lot of people. I mean, like you said, yeah. if you if you're looking at it from the ancient perspective, they, this one's something they, they probably thought about. But but there's a lot of things that have changed in our lifetimes that people didn't think about before. You know, I mean, like I showed my grandmother a smartphone before she died. And I'm like, look, Granny, there's 30,000 pictures up here. She it blew her mind. She was like, <laughs> she said, this is a treasure. You should all, she was like, it was like she was worshiping the phone, you know? Like, I mean, because she, she didn't understand it. And so what I'm saying is knowledge is limitless. And when it comes to understanding people's preferences and how they want to live, uh, this is a free country. As long as my personal philosophy is, as long as you're not doing harm to others, you live your life. This is the United States. You're free. Live your life. And... Uh, the problem we run into is that our society, there is some walls that people hit where, when it comes to things like health care. If we say that you know, certain people can or cannot get married, uh, there's, there's family benefits that come with being married to somebody. And so these are complex issues, and as a society, we, we just have to talk about it and work for, move forward together. Last, but on the final note for today is never stop respecting people as individuals, regardless of what they believe, regardless of what their life preferences are, Never stop respecting people as individuals. That's how we move forward together. It's when we start saying, ooh, you're different, or I don't like your lifestyle, or you know, you're black, I'm white, or you're a girl and I'm a boy. That's, that's stupid. We're all humans. We are, there's a poem by Maya Angelou to, to leave on the poetry note. It says we are more alike than we are unalike, or we're more alike than we are not alike. I believe that 100%. I think that most people, even bad people, have a lot in common with me. You know, even, even I think that 95% of humanity is good. There's a 5% we need to work on. But that 5%, the, the most humanity, they want to live a good life. They want to eat good food. They want to be safe. They want to have a house for their kids. They want to have clothing. Uh, they want to do things that matter. And so uh, we got to work on that together and, and keep respecting individuals together. Okay, guys? We'll finish up on Friday. Not much more. Thank you for your attention. And I'll see you on Friday. Yay, Friday's coming up. All right. Have a good day, guys. When are we going to work on money?